Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So, so we, we spoke last week about we need to come into agreement with God's Word and who God says we are. And when we come into agreement, we then come into alignment. That means we're in communication with God. We're, our feelings are starting to follow what God says about us more than what the world says and what man says and the fear of man over the fear of God. And we begin to align. When we align with God's love, we receive of His presence, of His power. And then when we receive of His power and His presence, then we have what it takes to step out and do things for Him, which we receive our assignment. God gives us dreams, assignments. He gives us passions for things that maybe were never there when we weren't aligned. And so, so this season of prayer fasting is that's what it's about. It's about coming into agreement with God. When we come into agreement, the grace of God is released and we align ourselves with heaven. Heaven comes down, passions for God and things of God begin to well up in the inside and then we want to step out and be bold and be public and, and, and invite our friends to church minister to people, operate in our gifts. And so that, as a church, that's the norm. That's normal Christian life, as we're going to know it. Can I get an amen? And so some of you are like, flip, flip, that sounds, I feel fear rising up. Yeah, that's, that's normal. That's the flesh beginning to die. That's the fear of man beginning to die. Sometimes you've got to sit in that and just walk through it because it will hold you uh, and it will trap you in a prison cell of fear. And so we've got to learn to walk through that stuff. And, and so this morning we're going to talk about the message is called Make Space. Make Space. Everyone say Make Space. Let's pray. Could I just pray, Father, and thank you for who you are and, and who you've called us to be. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for Jesus. And I thank you, God, that we're creating space right now for you to fill it. In Jesus' name. Everyone said... Hey man, I don't know if, I was on Instagram going through my stories and I know I have to, I'm praying and fasting some things and I've got to disconnect from some things. And, uh, uh, but I was on stories this week and I, I was noticing my friends having a baby. And he had all these pictures and they're all into fashion and, and nice design and architecture and all that kind of stuff. And they were painting it all white as people like that do. The room was all white and sitting perfect, and they were in Ikea getting different bits and pieces for the room. And, and as I was processing that, I was like, what are they doing? Like, the baby's not here yet. But, but they knew the baby was coming. And because they knew the baby was coming, they started to prepare a place. They started to prepare some space for that baby to live, for that baby to reside, for that baby to land. And, and so... It was so important that they prayed, that they planned, and they prepared a, a, a space for that baby to live. And, and what I want to suggest to you, maybe God ha, has got some dreams. He wants to birth some things in your life. But before he can, it needs the baby that, needs to be, uh, that God wants to birth in your life, that dream that God wants to birth in your life, needs some space prepared prayed about, dreamed about, some action to make it happen. God needs some space. If we can make some space, then God has got somewhere to land. 
If we think about a plane, have you ever been on a plane and, and you're kind of like, I remember being on a plane, I was coming back from Luton and it was a really windy night. Have you ever been on one of those flights? It's a really windy night and I'm like, what is this, what, what is this pilot doing? The runway is over here and we're here and we're like, we're going to land. We're literally landing off of alignment, off of a line with the runway. And so what was in my head, it wasn't Ted or Niall, Sarah's husband, obviously, because he's better. I'm only kidding. This is just what you do, I'm told. And because the winds were blowing this way, he knew the space was over here, but he knew because of the wind and calculating the wind and how it was going to push them across, they would have to calculate in such a way that they would land in the correct space at the right time. And so God is asking and asking his people, asking us, if you can just create a runway, some space, I will land, I will bring heaven to earth. I will give you my presence in the midst of trouble, in the midst of storms. I will land in the middle of storms. I will land even when it seems impossible for the plane to land in your life, even when it seems impossible for a situation to work out for the good. If you can just create some space, I'll align myself and align yourself with heaven. The plane will land. The dream will come to pass. The situation will work out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. But we've got to make space. We've got to make some space. See, often we see obstacles as getting in our way. We see worry as something we can't defeat. We see people who have betrayed us or, or, or let us down as things that are just going to cause a halt, that we're just going to have to keep flying and crash because the runway is gone. The hope is gone. The future is gone of a better day ahead. But God's saying, no, it's not. I can use the worst obstacles, the worst situations, the worst storms in your life to make a way where there's a bigger victory than there would have been if there had been no storm. Because we can look at the past and we can think, oh, I wish it hadn't have been this way. I wish it hadn't have been so ugly. I wish it hadn't have been so messy. But maybe you wouldn't have a story to tell. Maybe that story about that plane landing in the storm wouldn't be on the news. You wouldn't have something to celebrate if there wasn't a battle. If there wasn't an obstacle to overcome. You see, the bigger the battle, the bigger the victory. Have you ever seen someone winning a game or whatever it is in a sport and they win a cup final? Well, why, why are they so happy? Because it was a battle to go through round 10, 9, 8, round 7, round 6. It was a battle, a consistent battle of showing up, creating space, realigning, believing, hoping, even when you're in defeat, the biggest victories are the ones that are the comebacks. There's more excitement. There's more joy. So what am I saying to you this morning? Well, maybe you feel discouraged. Maybe you feel like, oh, the past, the past, the past. The storm, the storm, the storm. Maybe we need to stop focusing on the storm. Maybe we need to stop focusing on the past. We need to start focusing on the victory. We need to start focusing on creating space because God is faithful, more faithful than a brother. 
And if we can just create space, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to forgive us of our mistakes, not just forgive us, but to restore us. But He just needs us to humble ourselves. And so that's why we pray, and that's why we fast. We're not trying to change God's mind. We're just trying to align ourselves with heaven. God has already paid the price. He said He came while we were sinners. Christ died for us. While we made mistakes, while we experienced storms that we created ourselves, Christ died for us. He came to set the captives free. He came in spirit and truth. Is anyone with me? And so what I want to say this morning is God is, God is a filler. He's not a forcer. But he needs space to fill. You can't fill something if there's nothing to contain it. You can't fill your heart if you're not giving him space and openness to come in. You can't change your life if you're not going to make some decisions to allow God to move. He's nowhere to go. He's nowhere to move. He's a filler. He's not a forcer. And, so, and, and sometimes this is a big thing. Like, why, is, why, why are bad things happening in this world, Phil? It's not fair. Well, I would say this, and I would suggest this, because I've always heard this term, God is in control. Well, if God's in control, he's making a few bad decisions. Right? There's a lot of pain in the world. There's a lot of bad things happening. Do you honestly think God's controlling those things? Do you honestly think God's creating these situations and these scenarios? Absolutely not. God is a gentleman. He's not a forcer. He's not going to force people. If he forced us, we would all be robots. We wouldn't have a soul. We wouldn't have free will. We had enough choice. So the way I like to say it is this. God is in charge, but he's not in control. God is in charge, but he's not in control. He has the final say. <laughs> if he really wants to do something, if he, like we see all through the scripture, there's times where it's like it's too far. It's too far gone. We're going to have to, there's a flood coming. The earth has just went its own way. It's neglected me. It stopped putting me first and it's caused, it's, it's self-destructed. It's gone anyhow. They're going to kill each other. Sodom and Gomorrah, the same happened, just self-destruction. We take God out of the mix, it just causes all kinds of chaos. You're going to, they're going to die anyhow. And so God is in charge, but he's not in control. He'll, have the he'll always have the last say. <laughs> and so I, I love this example. I'm just going to read this scripture first, Isaiah 55 and 9. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, it's all about trust. If we can learn to trust God, that's when the yoke becomes easy. And so I've got a simple example here. I'm going to pull a, a few people up, and, and I don't know if I should ask for volunteers. I'll just pick people. All right, Carl, thanks for the volunteer. <laughs> come, come my head up, Carl. And we'll do this on the floor. You should all be able to see us. And uh, big Alan's looking down. <laughs> John Atino, come on up. We'll give Alan the rest. So here we have a volleyball. It's, we're going to play a wee game. Me and Carl are both um, PE teachers. John, John Atino's just a player. He, you know, he's, he's got that flow, just one-two. He loves a one-two. You know, a lot of those uh, nations that have good footballers that can actually pass the ball along. Northern Ireland's getting good. But, but the one thing that, what? 
You can dance, he can dance too. <laughs> he, he's sitting judging us then, you white people have no rhythm. He's right. Um, apart from Caitlin. But I, I was just thinking about this, and, and what, what, what kind of example can I give to make sense of this and what it looks like to create space? And so one of the things I was always taught as a footballer is move the ball and create space so you can get past your obstacle. So we're going to make Carl our obstacle. John and Tina, if you go back a bit, Carl, you come here in front of me. And so he's my obstacle. I'm trying to get past him. He represents the storms of life. Suzanne says, Amen. <laughs> Many a storm has come in the form of Storm Carl. So, so, so I'm trying to get past them, and so often in life what can happen is I can try to do it myself. I'm like, the pride in me just says, I can take you on. You're easy. And I throw my faint, and he throws a, an elbow. And, and the pride in me is just like, I prefer to do it myself. I prefer to beat you myself, because if I can beat you myself, I get the glory. It's all about me. I, I'm made to look better in front of everyone that's watching, and, and I feel good about that. The problem is that's not God's way. God's more of a one-two type God. He's more of a team player. He's more of a relational person. He's more about not, not just getting to the mountain by yourself and celebrating, hey, look how good I am. I got to Everest by myself, but God's more of a, hey, let's go as a team, because a party isn't a party unless there's a few people to party with. It's more fun. It's more exciting. Together. It's better together. And so, Jonathan, if you just come here. So, if Carl is trying to get the ball, and this is probably more like netball. Um, <laughs> we could play football, but you'll not see it. Um, so, we'll play football with our hands. And so, if Carl's trying to get the ball off me, he's probably going to play rugby tackle here. And I want to. And again. Come on, Carl. Come on, son. One, two, one. And so, and so what happens is, I'm not stressed, it's easy, but I have to go with Jonathino, I have to share, I have to give away, I have to let go, and when I let go of the ball and I give it to somebody else, God, what happens is, there's no weight, there's no burden, the enemy comes to take me out, he misses me every time, I... I the possession, the weight of life is not on me because I've got help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from God. And so, so too often in life when we try to, to, to go through life, we, we, we don't want to let go of the ball because we love the ball. We love to have control. We love to work it all out because we're afraid. What if I gave the ball to Jonatino and he doesn't give it back? I don't know if he would give it back in a real game or not. He might go for the glory. Thank you. Put your hands together for our volunteers. Oh. I used to hate playing because I would always be a one-two type person. Like, let's play as a team. Let's play a nice football. Um, and one-two. I just had a dream of playing that type of football, but Alan wouldn't tell the guys to pass to me. And, and it ruined my whole plan. And now I can't play anymore, and it's all over. The dream is over. But I really believe that God's a one-two type God. He hasn't called us to live life on our own, our own way, our own strength, and get through storms with all of the fear of trying to work it all out. His ways are higher than ours. 
The Bible says in, in, in Matthew 6 and 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. What does that look like? Seek first, give away the ball. First, give it away. The enemy's coming, he's trying to, he's, he's trying to take you out. He's going to catch you. But if you give it away, he'll make room. You'll overcome. You'll beat him. You'll keep possession because what? All these things shall be added to you after you give it away. Not before. Not by you doing life your own way. After, once you give the ball away, once you give your life away, then you truly get it back. And you're past the enemy. You're past the attack of the enemy. You're past the, his schemes. You're past... He, he, he has no, no ability to, to scare you anymore because you've passed it off. He can try and block you all he likes, but he has no power. And then God provides for you anyhow. You move forward anyhow. Your dreams come, come true anyhow. God, God uses you anyhow. And so I want to talk about three quick space makers before we finish. And, and this is, so, so this scripture is in, in Matthew 6, 33. So this is at the end, and it's talking about worry, and it's talking about uh, what, what, what can, um, what is it, what, what, what is it going to do if you, if you worry about tomorrow? The sorrow of tomorrow will always be there, but it can rob you of your strength today. And so it's talking about worry and these storms and trying to keep possession of the ball and trying to do it your own way. And he's saying, seek first. But if we go right to the start of that chapter, this is what, what, what Jesus is teaching them before this is even said. He, he's saying, hey, there, here's three space makers to create space for God. Here's three ways in which you can pass the ball off, pass the burden off, pass the weight off. Here's three ways you can do it. And here it is. The first one is, it says in, in verse three, this is the Bible. I'm not making this up. There's no, there's no scheme or plan behind this. This is what the Bible says. It says, when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. When you give, that's the first thing. It's funny that, that, that it's something that is so dear to us is the first thing that Jesus mentions. The thing that we're probably least likely to want to give is the first thing he says you got to. It's not an if you give, it's when. The biggest error we have probably fear. What if it doesn't work out? What if I can't afford? But, but you're, you spend all your time worried about being able to. You spend all your time trying to climb up the ladder so you can have more. There's a grip on your life. You're, 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 there's an opposition and he's wasting your time. How many people have spent time trying to climb a ladder and their life has hasn't made any difference. They've just wasted their time living for themselves, trying to get the glory, trying to beat the opponent to get to the to the try line or to the to the football net to score the goal. What for me? What is it? It's the love of. I want to look good, but the only way you can release the grip is by giving it away. Not all but it's your first step. Surrender. Do it God's way. You'll find freedom in your finances. You'll find freedom when you begin to give. Why? Because it's not about you trying to work it all out anymore. It's not about you trying to, 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 to figure his ways are higher. 
God can provide for you in ways that you can't imagine. Part of my story is that, you know, I've tithed from I was 17. Why? Because I was just taught and I wanted to see God move in my life. And I'd done that and I'd done that and then I came to the stage where I couldn't tithe because I had no income. And I went to the States and I'd done Bible college and then the next thing God put it in my, my heart, I really, I was filled with faith and I wanted to help. I wanted to give to someone or do something. And so God very kindly put it in my heart to give to the person I least liked in my internship. Just the person that annoyed me. Of all people. I'm like, oh, here we go again. We're in the prayer circle and here she goes, just whining on about all her needs. And, and then all of a sudden I'm in prayer and God's like, give it to her. I'm like, what? I'm not even getting paid here. I'm having to give out of my lack, not out of my... <laughs> and you, I, of all people, I cannot just give to him. I like him. And so, so I had, it, was just a, it was an over and above offering. It wasn't a tithe because I had no income. I wasn't working. But it was an over and above offering. And I'm not telling you here to impress you. This is after the fact. I'm telling you here to encourage you to trust God, not trust man. If God spoke to me, it wasn't a person. And so I give her the money. And, and so, lo and behold, I was the first one, the foreigner. I was the foreigner. I was the foreigner, come on. I was the first one in the course. I had no income, no job, no parents, very little money coming in even from here. And I was the first one to pay off my fees of $8,000 that year. But the first thing I'd done was I had to be obedient. And now it was a struggle. <laughs> but eventually I gave in private. I went to the finance department and said, can you put that in her account and pay it off her fees? I was the first one. Then fast forward to where we are now. I came home and, and I, I was serving at a church and, and working with a church and I ended up, God put over and above the tithe, I was tithing, God put over and above the tithe to give to the church. I ended up giving, the, this is not to impress you now, I'm in awe of what God has done. And I, give, I ended up giving, the amount was ridiculous, it took me two years to agree to it and start to give it. But it was over and above and I gave my whole payback for that year that I'd been paid from that church. Thousands. Am I sent to impress you? No. Because <laughs> I understand. Why would you do that? It could have bought me a car. Fast forward. The, the year that I, I finished giving, I end up with a house that has equity on it ten times that now. The same year that I finished giving. Can I work that out? Absolutely not. No, well, well, is this a get-rich scheme, Phil? Am I going to give to get? No. I didn't give to get. I gave out of obedience. Well, 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 what's that look like now? Well, you know what? That house is being used for, for meetings, for, for connect groups, for the church. It's actually the church office right now. I gave it back. I was blessed, not f just to go around and say, hey, look what I've got. I was blessed to be a blessing. I'm all in. I want to give back to the kingdom. I want to see God bring heaven to earth. Well, well what's it look like now? For? Well, actually, now I have to deal with the finances of a church. Now God has given me, granted me the position to, 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 to tithe from a church. And, and I felt like God, as I began to pray in this prayer and fasting season, I, I felt God put it in my heart to start to, to start strong in this local community, tithing to some local churches. Why? Because we want to send the message that we're together. That this is the competition, one against each other. We're, we're a part of the same movement. And I feel like we need to make that clear and come close and, and build relationship. And sometimes when you give someone a gift like that, it helps. 
and see how God has progressed. He moves forward and he wants to do the same for you. I don't have a story to tell unless I'm doing something different. So when you give, it's getting quiet in here. I understand. Next one, when you pray. It says, but when you pray, in Matthew 6, is it? Yep. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. See, so often if we're, we're trying to impress people with our prayers, we're not praying to God. We're praying to impress people. But if it's in private, you know the thing about privateness is that no one's there. You can't impress anyone when you're in private. There's no one else to impress. It has to be genuine. So you know, you know when you're truly praying to God, you can be honest. Just keep it simple. Don't complicate it. Just talk to them like you would talk to me or to your friends. And just keep, just keep it honest. I think honesty is one of the, the most important parts of prayer. Be honest about what you fear. Be honest about your lack of faith. Be honest about your doubts. Be honest that you're mad, that you're angry at certain people. Be honest. That's where we start with honesty. Be honest that your, your heart is not right in some areas. You can't deal with it until you're honest. And then lastly, when you fast, it says in verse 17, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, and then no one will notice that you're fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. You see, when we fast, it's not to go around saying how we fast. That's not the motive. It's not to impress anyone. I don't think anyone would be impressed by fasting anyhow. They'd be like, what? You're not? Why are you not eating food? You're not taking Chinese's? What, what is wrong with you? And so I don't think we're going to be impressing too many people. Maybe it's more in the context of in the church. We're not trying to compete and say, I fasted more than you. It's not about that. It's about your personal relationship. It's about you and God. It's not about impressing me or impressing any other leaders. Or That's not the, the game we're playing. This, it's, it's about aligning ourselves, refreshing ourselves. It's about releasing heaven on earth. It's about trusting God. It's about passing the ball back to God, taking the weight off yourself, trying to come past. We're never designed to come past the obstacle or the opposition in your own strength. The yoke was supposed to be light and easy. But you've got to surrender the ball. You've got to let it go. And so last example, and if the worship team want to come ahead on up, um, we see in the scriptures the story of Noah. And, and we see Noah in the ark and God's cleansing the earth. And, you know, it's a, a time of resetting. God is restoring humanity to where it should be. And, and, and they're in this storm. <laughs> There's an opposition. It's the wind and the waves outside. And, and so they're, they're trying to, to figure, like, okay, we've went with God this far um, and God has asked them, hey, hey, can you build an ark? And people are probably asking Noah, well, what's an ark? I don't know. <laughs> well, what's the ark for? Well, it's going to be rain. Well, what's rain? I don't know. And so he's been in this place with God, intimacy with God, in alignment with his Father. God is speaking to him and telling him to do things that's never been seen, doing something different. If you want your life to be different this year, you better do something different than you were doing before. It's that simple. Noah done something different. God used him 
to reset, to restore. God is looking to use you to bring restoration to others in your life, in your family, but he needs to restore you first to himself. He needs your heart first. He needs the ball passed off first before he can do anything. You see, Noah, what did he do? He made space. He gave up his time. He gave up his resource. He disconnected from what people were saying, laughing at him. You're crazy. What's wrong with you? Everyone living for themselves. He was in constant prayer. He was using resource to build this. He could easily have built a temple for himself. He could have easily built a castle for himself. But he used it to build an ark to bring the kingdom of heaven down. He created a what? A space. And as he created the space, God filled it. He didn't force them. He filled it as he stayed in relationship. And then as they were in this storm, another storm came. So it was people. Now it's the wind and the waves. Another storm, another obstacle. What am I going to do? And, and, and he felt the Holy Spirit say, send out a, a bird. Send out a dove. And if it finds space, <laughs> if it lands somewhere and never comes back, then you'll know. It's a new day. Heaven has come. Rejoice. A new day is here. A new beginning is here. But, but, but I, you may need to hold your hand out for that bird to come back. What does the hand represent? Space. If we can create space, God will begin to speak. If we can create space, God will land your plane. If we can create space, God will begin to break through, open up your eyes in places that are dark, full of rain, full of storms. God will be, all of a sudden, you'll see a ray of light. You may have to wait a while. You may have to be consistent in the Word. You may have to be consistent in prayer. You may have to be consistent at showing up to church. Maybe 2019 needs to be the year where you consistently show up in the community of faith or in a group. Or maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit speaking to you and it, it doesn't feel comfortable. That's normal. It doesn't feel comfortable. It's different. It's not what you're used to doing. But if you want to see God's rule and reign in your life, if you want to see breakthrough, it's going to take space. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariachurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church podcast.